0: The reading today is from Judges 16, verse 15 through to the end of the chapter. And that's found on page 248 in the Green Bibles. Judges 16, verse 15 through to the end of the chapter, page 248. Then Delilah said to him, Then Delilah said to Samson, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me. And I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines. Come back once more, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. Having put him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair. And so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding corn in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to celebrate, saying, Our god has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their god, saying, Our god has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about three thousand men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached towards the two central pillars on which the temple stood. Bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other, Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. Then his brothers and his father's whole family went down to get him. They brought him back and buried him between Zorah and Eshtaol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had led Israel for 20 years.
1: As up, I meant to. As, uh, as Chris comes up, I meant to say the, these uh, sheets. Is Johnny there at the back? Yeah, there he is. In fact, Johnny's culling them in at, at the moment. Um, so do go and join Johnny if that's what you'd like to do as you listen to the talk if you're a younger member here um,
0: Chris I'd love to pray for you as you speak All
1: right, Father thank you so much for the work and preparation that this man has put into this text and this story and I pray you would speak through him now by your spirit enable this uh, familiar story and this passage of scripture to come alive in our hearts as he applies it bless him we pray speak through him in Jesus name Amen Okay, good morning. The story of Samson has a particular resonance to me because round about five years ago to the very week, I was invited to a singles party. Now, I should stress that I was single at the time. Um, And I showed up at Maida Vale and knocked on the door, etc., puffing myself up for added confidence, and I was given a sticker which said Samson on it. And the, the theme of the, the, the night was that I had to find Delilah. And Delilah happened to be uh, a girl called Alice, who is now my wife. Amen. <clears throat> so uh, that's really where the resemblance with the Bible story ends. But I give it to you for free. So the exciting thing about Samson is that he is this intriguing, um, if you like, unsung, or I should say, no, an intriguing Old Testament champion, he's something of a holy roughneck. And looking at him on the one hand, the leader of the the Israelite nation, but at the other, this destitute suicide case. And from his distinct flaws and weaknesses as as a hero, we living today can draw great strength from that. And so it's my prayer that as we go through the story of Samson today, drawing out various themes, that we can leave this church, this service, this building strengthened and steeled um, for God's purposes. So the way it'll work then is we'll look briefly at the historical context and the actual unfolding events of, of Samson's life before briefly trying to tease out key themes that we can, just, we can do more than just think about, we can actually apply to our lives for, for God's greater glory. Uh, Jeremiah says, Thy words were found... And I ate them, and they became unto me a joy and a delight unto my heart. And therefore, it's, it's my hope and aspiration that as we leave and as we read more about um, Samson, that the words written by the chronicler of Judges um, indeed become a joy and a delight unto, unto our hearts. So we look first then at the historical context into which Samson was inserted. And we are aware now that the book of Judges details a time of the Israelite nation and its history when things are at a very low ebb. You remember the Israelites were set apart by God as his chosen race with a view to showing the rest of mankind God's good and perfect character. Tragically they fail in this and as a result they are invaded on numerous occasions by marauding neighboring armies with the result that the purity and the intimacy of their relationship with God as a nation and as a people, is ruined. So at the time of Samson, roughly 1080 BC, we're seeing in the wake of the theft of the Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God, the Philistines have stolen that and then returned it. Things are in a dark period of Jewish history. And as a result, God raises up leaders or people that he calls judges, not kings because God is the king of the Jewish nation, but judges who are there to show protection and lead the nation of the Jews or the Israelites and bring in God's peace, his prosperity and his blessing. And therefore that is the role and the intention of the judges. Bearing in mind then that Samson is born into a period of Jewish history when the Philistines have occupied and overruled uh, the Israelite nation. And as a result, it is living under duress, a bit like France in the Second World War. The detail that builds up to Samson's birth is that his um, arrival on the world was foretold by an angelic visitation to his parents. His mother was barren, and as a result, we can immediately tell that uh, the life that will then follow is gonna be beyond the normal realms of human existence. Um, Generally speaking, the Bible, when this happens with people like John the Baptist or Christ or uh, Isaac, something very special happens then in the life of the person for whom the prophecy or the prediction relates to. And we then meet in the story of Judges, Samson as a young man, and he was told, his parents were told that he would be a Nazarite, which means that he was wholly consecrated and dedicated to God's service. And the uh, outward symbolization of this was uh, three prohibitions. The first of which was uh, abstinence from alcohol, the second of which was uh, the avoidance of unclean uh, things, such as dead bodies, etc., and the third was a refusal or an avoidance of hair cutting. So Samson, as you can imagine, would have looked distinct. And these were symbols of his obedience to to, to God's call upon his life as a Nazarite. We join him in the story of the judges uh, in chapter 15, I think, where as a young man he's in search of a wife, and the strange thing is is that his Initial inclination is not towards an Israelite wife, it's towards a Philistine wife. So we get a feel for the kind of rebellious nature of the man. And instead of going for one of his own countrymen, or countrywomen, I should say, he's opted for one of the occupying force. He then is given uh, the wife or the, the hand of Timnah, who is a young Philistine woman. And intriguingly, at the wedding ceremony, we see Samson throw out a wager or a riddle, which is an unusual thing, again, to do at a wedding ceremony. We then see on the back of that um, him losing this this wager or the riddle and his wife betraying the answer to the people to whom the wager was set. In a rage, we then see Samson go and destroy the lives of 30 Philistines in order to take their suits off them and give them as a reward to the people that cracked the riddle. We then start seeing a strange escalation of ferocious violence, which to um, us in the current day seems slightly out of kilter, particularly on the basis that a lot of this violence was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So he comes back from having killed these 30 men in Ashkelon to find that his father-in-law has given his wife to Samson's best man. As a result of that, in an anger, he goes out and catches or captures 300 jackals or foxes, grabs them up, pairs them up, ties their tails in two, and plants a flaming torch in each of the pair's tails, and then cuts them loose into the local community's um, agricultural land, and it's harvest time. So in one fell swoop, he's managed to destroy the local economy and bring about the wrath of the local Philistine occupying force. They, in turn, want to find out who's responsible, and end up destroying or burning uh, Samson's wife and father-in-law. And as a result of that, a great slaughter follows, which ultimately leads to the mobilization of the Philistine army. And the Jews, the Israelites, I should say, the people for whom Samson is responsible as a leader, they end up handing over their leader, trussed up in ropes to the Philistines. And this is when we see the... um, I guess the, the, the stirring of the Holy Spirit in Samson and armed with the jawbone of an ass, he quite literally destroys in one great act of butchery a thousand Philistine lives. And again, this grates with our sense of uh, God as a God of love and grace. And we'll touch on this theme in a, in, in, in a short while. But if, if you've ever seen um, the carnage of a car crash or, 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 or human uh, guts and blood, it's a pretty gruesome sight. Magnifying that by a thousand, and you have a picture or a spectacle of the horror that Samson was able to inflict on God's enemies. So therefore we have a feel now of the kind of bionic vengeance that God wreaks on his enemies through Samson, but also on on Samson's character himself. There then follows a period of 20 years of Samson's rule over Israel. And this is interesting because very little detail is given on it. So we don't know whether this is a good thing. But the assumption is, or the assessment is, that the lack of detail infers that not a great deal of success was achieved because the Philistines still remain in occupation and there doesn't seem to be particular reference to the blessing or peace and prosperity that Samson was supposed to usher in. We then fast forward in time and we join Samson uh, on his route to Gaza to get his leg over with a call girl. And again, this is hardly the kind of behavior you'd associate with a biblical hero. Um, He is in business with a prostitute. And again, the Philistines think they'll seize their opportunity to ambush him. But Samson does a runner at dawn. And as he departs Gaza, he takes with him the city gates. And so there's a sense here, perhaps, of the guy's ego. Um, it's an unnecessary gesture, but it's certainly an aggressive two fingers to the occupying force of the Philistines. We then meet him again, this time with a third woman of his life, Delilah, read by, um, you may remember the, the, the story of Delilah read by, by, by my wife. Uh, again, he marries her. She doesn't seem the most obvious choice of wife for a Israelite leader or judge. But nonetheless, in rapid time, like a former wife, she manages to betray his, um, his innermost secrets, if you like, and we then see the Philistines ambush, capture Samson, gouge his eyes out, and then we meet him again at the stage where he is uh, imprisoned, grinding corn, and ultimately, uh, his gifting remains, and he pushes the two pillars apart, killing 3,000 Philistines in his death, more so than he ever did in his life. And that's a rough sort of snapshot, a whistle-stop tour of the life of Samson as charted in the book of Judges. Um, and I think it's probably worth raising at this stage that we live uh, in, in different times in terms of God's spiritual plan for the human race. And we have to bear in mind that at the time of the Old Testament, I, before Christ, had died on the cross, providing that atonement or link of God's grace direct to humankind. Uh, God's perfection and righteousness in the Old Testament had been so badly polluted by uh, the paganism we saw, be that the child prostitution and worship of Dagon, um, et cetera, child sacrifice as well, that his um, disgust and purity uh, could only really be uh, enabled through through purging the human race of, of, of those that acted in distinct opposition to God. I'm not sure they made that clear enough, but as a result we see a very violent answer or solution to uh, those that are enemies of God. People that actively chose to go against his good and perfect ways uh, end up meeting very violent ends. And so it's it's worth bearing that in mind that Samson was working and acting in a very different set of scenarios to which we find ourselves today in 21st century Fulham and also in the light of um, Christ's death and resurrection. Um, So we're now at the stage where If I may, I'd love to be able to tease out three, possibly four themes from the story of Samson that I believe have a relevance to us today. And it's not just a good fun bedtime story to read our children, but actually there is something vital and applicable in the story of Samson. And the first I'd like to outline is that he was a Nazarite, and we know this means he was set apart, consecrated for God's holy purpose And the interesting thing that I I feel is worth sharing is that he was not a man called to a religious life. He was not a high priest, but instead was a layman. When I was in the army, we used to talk about civvies. In a way, he was not part of um, uh, the the kind of religious hierarchy. And in a way, we can draw strength from this, that um, the work of our hands, whether we're in Christian paid ministry or not, is is not an issue. It's really whether or not it is consecrated by God. And so the point I would like to stress is that whether you're um, a clown juggling or whether you're a uh, a computer software engineer, we can still know God's touch on our work and his dedication or our dedication through our work for his sake and for his glory. So that's uh, one point I'd like to make clear that we don't have to be in full-time paid Christian ministry to be bringing glory to God. The second point, and it's a bit of an obvious one, is that if you look at the glide path of Samson's life on earth, it is not exactly the stuff of, of, of legend. One minute we see him um, romancing, the next we see him whoring, one minute we see him amusing uh, a wedding party with uh, with riddles and wages, the next we see him... Uh, Is a destitute blind prisoner uh, that was formerly a, a national leader. And so there's an extraordinary roller coaster, and yet still, right up until the end, the gifting of God, which he had abused throughout his life, is still there, and that incredible force or superhuman strength is still available to him in the last seconds of his death to enact God's will and to bring vengeance on the Philistines. And I guess for us, this means that we can know the beautiful, intimate friendship of God one week through our quiet times, our prayer lives, our our meeting here at church. And many of us will identify with subsequent weeks or other occasions when actually we lack, we lack that um, wonderful connection to the Lord. And instead, we're we're floundering in doubt or anger or mistaken sin and so forth. And yet still, and still, God is faithful to us, and there's a lovely old hymn, which I think was written by Wesley, but it said, it's not my frail hold of him, but his firm grasp of me. And in a way, the story of Samson's rise and fall shows that in in, in abundance. And so we can draw a strength and, and, uh, and an intimacy from that, that God will not let us go, however much we screw up. And I guess one of the final points I'd make is that the story of Samson is ultimately not a, it's not a testimony to good, godly leadership, but instead it's really an example or a warning of what happens if you screw your own personal life up with a view to then concentric circles going outwards um, to the wider family and potentially even society. Samson messed up. He was called by God to be a man that would lead his nation, protect it, bring in peace, prosperity, blessing, And we really don't see a great deal of that in Samson's um, lifespan as leader or judge of Israel. And instead, we see that the Philistines remain in place as the occupiers or the the ruling force. And in addition to that, we see in his own life so many classic sins, be that um, temptation, distraction, ego, etc., and a temper. Um, And I guess the point is, is think how much more Samson could have achieved for God had he harnessed his power, this divine gift, for, for, for God's glory rather than his own? or Whether he had kept that consistency of faith, which perhaps we long to, but are, are, are unable to maintain. And so instead, although he is celebrated as a hero, he's seen as something of a flawed hero. Unlike Gideon, who instead of operating on his own as a single sort of guerrilla insurgent, which was Samson's tack, Gideon was able to rouse potentially a whole army of 22,000 which he eventually whittled down to 300. So nonetheless, Samson is a story, there's a sort of a lesson learned of of, of failed potential. One of the things that I've been uh, doing a lot of recently is is meeting guys as they come out of prison and trying to rehabilitate them as they get back into society. And time and time and again, you meet guys with such phenomenal um, talents and, and potential. I was with a guy called Delroy, six foot seven, Huge man, originally from Jamaica. His claim to fame uh, in life was uh, uh, headbutting Lenny Henry in the early 80s and knocking him out. Amongst other uh, examples of Delroy's criminal life, he was a pimp, a hit man. He used to drive forklift trucks into holes in the wall, cash points, and and make away with quite a lot of money. And yet, tragically, aged 48 after about 20-odd years in and out of prison. He's finally come to the conclusion that he's wasted his life. And he's got all these phenomenal talents, He's a very striking, amusing, comedic sort of guy. And he's also a gifted chef. He grows basil and uh, fresh coriander. He grows a lot of other plants as well, I'm afraid. But, uh, <laughs> but the, point, the, point, the point to take away is that he's now in this stage where he can't get employment because most organizations that need the kind of talented chef that he is will not have a guy with a criminal record. And there is this sense that he's, he's realizing, gosh, how, how did I waste my life? All those wrong decisions. And in a way, like Samson, um, we too are, are, are in the business, if we don't watch it, of losing our full spiritual potential. And the Bible tells us that the devil, like a lion, roars around the earth, seeking who he may devour. So my prayer is, as we head out of St. Daniel's Church, into our lives and the streets of Fulham later on, that our spiritual hair our spiritual locks if you like the secret to our strength is not shorn so that the power that god has granted to us as believers that special gifting that is given to us as unique followers of christ is not robbed by the devil